Welcome to Casually Hardcore's PAX 2013 coverage. This is our first wrap-up show after the beginning of the con. I am Grail. I am Dexa. And I am Andre. There we go. We have a new, new voice. New peeps. We, we drafted a new person since we had to leave Gnomewise and Iolite and Gwenora and Barry. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, everybody else. Everybody else. Back, back, back at home. So we were the ones that came out to Seattle. So, so far it's been a non-stop pack. It's been probably the latest, I think, that we've done a day one, where we started at 9 in the morning, went to 11 or so at night, 10.30 at night. We'll call it 10.30. We'll call it, call it 10.30, but that's not exactly where everything started. No, no. Well, of course, no pack starts without... A Triwizard Drinking Tournament. That's right. At and least for the next year or two, and then, then I'll be gone. For the next year, yeah. yeah. So this is the sixth tri- uh, Triwizard Tournament that Atlas put together. Um, and next year will be the last Triwizard Tournament because he is doing it kind of canon. So it's seven total. And, uh, yeah, it was good times. Um, this was Andre's first experience with yep. the Triwizard Tournament. It's very cool. Um, I have to admit that I didn't know what to expect, but everyone was really friendly and uh, the challenges were not too difficult. But yeah, it was a very good time. I had, I had a great time there. Yeah, I, I did as well. I think, uh, I think we tackled the challenges. Some of us succumbed a little bit to the challenges that today. Some of us tackled more challenges than others. Well. Some of us had more smarts than others. <laughs> I would say a little extra credit. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Others. Yeah. Some of us are teachers' pets and want the extra credit. Right. So. Right. That's what happened. But no, it was a uh, fun times. We had some. Uh, I did take some pictures and I put it up on um, my Twitter feed, so you can go to Daxa underscore ch, and there's pictures of most of my partners. And some of Grails. I think I got a couple of yours, too, Correct. right? Yeah. I think we have some of Andre's partners as well. That's right. On different phones spread out. So we'll have to consolidate them and put them all up on the Facebook page. Yes. Which always needs love. <laughs> <laughs> always needs always love. Always needs love. So you guys will be hearing this in a bit of arrears since we're going to record this tonight. This is uh, Friday, August 30th. So we will get this over to GnomeWise to post up onto the website. I'm sure it will go on alphageekradio.com as well as vtwproductions.com. So all or any of our sister feeds uh, for your listening pleasure. So let's talk about actual PAX stuffs. We got in early, as we always do. We get an hour of time on the exhibition floor with no uh, mass of people to deal with. So we always try to be choosy then on what we see in that hour because every exhibitor really wants your time. This year, we got a lot of emails from people that were like, we're having a party. From 9 to 10 in the morning. And we have food and stuff. The day after a Triwizard Tournament, there's no more partying after that. They wanted to suck your time away. So instead, we said, no, we are, last year, we made a byline or beeline, beeline. say, straight, straight for XCOM. Um, and this year, XCOM was back. Uh, 2K had a massive booth for both XCOM, Borderlands 2. Uh, they just got 
the World Wrestling Entertainment property, so now they have, they're going to be making the next uh, WWE game, which THQ, since that folded, they actually got the property from them. Uh, I think those were the three games they were really showing off mm-hmm. there. So we really wanted to see XCOM because they were announcing their new expansion. And so we got there, we were able to watch their new demo of the expansion, which seems like a pretty big uh, expansion, according to... Uh, what was the gentleman's name there? Pete Murray. Pete, Pete Murray. Murray. Pete Murray, uh, this was just scratching the surface of all the stuff. He equated it, uh, Pete Murray works for uh, Fear Axis, who actually makes the game, and equated it to uh, Civilization, how Civ Five was a great game, and then you got the God and Kings expansion. You went, oh my god, I can never go back to Civ Five, And then you get Brave New World, and you go, oh my god, I can't go back to Civ Five with just God and Kings. It just, it really changed the game. So... We watched the demo. It was a non-playable demo, so it was more just uh, watching uh, one person controlling it. Pete Murray was doing the commentary. Um, got to see some of the new stuff they were including. So I'll start with each of you guys. Which was what was the most impressive thing from it? Well, okay. all right. So I they have um, two different new trooper types. One was called a mech trooper, and it's literally just a soldier in a big bodied armor. Uh, it was looked really impressive, and then they also have G mod troopers. Uh, and for me, the when the mech trooper um, can actually get in when it gets into melee range, it has like basically a, a super power punch uh, that it, it executes. And in the demo, they had um, a sectasoid little peon guy that the mech trooper walked up and completely annihilated him. He he basically hit the sectasoid off the punched him off the map. Yeah, very impressive graphically and. I was like, that That was cool. So that was one of my uh, takeaways that I really liked from the demo. The nice. kinetic punch. Yeah, the yeah. kinetic punch. It was awesome. Um, I think my favorite thing was the needle grenade. Right. Because the cool thing about the needle grenade is when you throw it, it doesn't demolish cover. So if you have one of your troops nearby, uh, an enemy, then as long as they're behind cover and you throw the grenade near the enemy, it'll hurt the enemy, but it won't hurt your your troop or your cover, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like both uh, the new troop designs. Um, the mech trooper, it's almost like a more beefed up, like militarized version of the suit that Ripley uses at the end of Alien. Yes. It's basically a power suit. Um, but it has obviously big guns. He has a large minigun on it. Also, that was able. He was able to basically empty all his ammo to target cover specifically and blow up the cover, do some splash damage to a couple of the uh, enemy aliens behind the, the cover. So that was one of his big abilities. The other was the uh, punch, which was really cool. Um, they were demoing it on a new map, which was a broken down dam, which looked really nice. Um, they mentioned that there was going to be forty over 40 new maps, which was really one of the more, if I had a complaint about XCOM, one of the things I, I did have an issue with was you played the same areas over and over again. It didn't feel like it was a huge uh, amount of maps to it. And with 40 new maps, or 40 or more new maps, and it's also going to seed the new maps as higher priority than the old maps, so you'll get to see them uh, much quicker. Uh, downside to it, though, was that it will you have to start a new game, so you're not going to be importing your uh, squad over. Um, and if you've played through the original uh, XCOM or the original re-release of XCOM, you know that it gets to a point where it ends. There is no continuous play mode. It just you you've beaten the game and that's it. You 
have to restart the game if you're going to play, uh, you know, keep going. The upside, though, one of the upsides I thought was the the trade skill roulette. I thought that was really neat because I think one of the other complaints that you had, Grail, was the fact that the troopers are always the same. So if you have a soldier, it's always the same soldier because it's got the same trade skill as your previous red shirt soldier who got killed and will have the same skills as your next soldier that gets killed. So um, they're doing something that's what a trading roulette where you can basically, it's randomized and you can have, you know, some power that on one soldier and not on another. Yeah, it, it shuffles the talent. Shuffles the so, talent. But it's random. So he mentioned yeah. you can get soldiers that are completely useless uh, or you can get ones that are just unbelievably powerful where you have a, a sniper that's taken on some of the qualities of the assault or the heavy troopers so they, they can just combo up their abilities really, really heavily. Uh, they What else was mentioned? So at, And then at the end, the big tease was the fact that, well, if humans are getting power armor, then obviously the aliens are going to get power armor. So you saw a sectoid in the alien version of power armor. They ran at each other. They were about to clash, and then that's where the, the demo actually ended. Is that what they call the mechtoid? Mechtoid, yeah. Yes. I think right now they're calling it a mechtoid. Um, but they were looking to release this, I believe, in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the release date for it. So it looks really good. Not going to be available, though, on the iOS. Not available, yeah. basically said the iOS has been pushed to the limit in terms of what the iPads can do with just the base game. So unless Apple changes some of their architecture or they decide to make it for something down the, lo- down the road, the current version that's on the iOS is probably as good as it gets, <laughs> unfortunately. Which, you know, is funny. That, that pretty much, I was really close to buying it on the iOS, and then now I'm like, eh, I think I can wait. <laughs> yeah. I'll just play it on the computer. Exactly. Or, or the Xbox. Uh, but, but yeah, simultaneous release on the Xbox uh, 360, the PS3. Uh, they're also going to come out with a collector's edition, which is going to include both this, the DLC, and previous uh, DLCs as well that they've released, uh, some of the smaller ones. Uh, not going right any plans right now for next gen consoles, so nothing planned for the Xbox One or the PS4. So, Correct. it was good. Uh, outside, massive statue oh, of, a, of a Mouton, huge. Uh, we're gonna put pictures up of it. Uh, talking to a guy in line, he was uh, adamant about how they really were stressed out over getting it to look right. That's right, yeah. The, the, the art lead was really concerned about actually putting the statue up because they felt he felt that the mock-up wouldn't actually be true to how he wanted it to be in public. But then after they showed him what it's going to look like, he was like, yeah, that's, that's going to look great. Yeah. And it does. It's, when you see the pictures, it's going to be very impressive. It was really cool. It's amazing, yeah. It was nice. It was very nice. So I think that was pretty much all we got out of the XCOM. They are doing a panel tomorrow, which or for us tomorrow, which would be Saturday. Unfortunately, that panel falls exactly at the same time as Acquisitions, Inc. And if you listen to our show, you know we pretty much go to Acquisitions, Inc. every year. Even though it's Willis this year. It's Willis this year. No Will. No, no Will, Will Wheaton. Wheaton. Which is probably why No Wise didn't come in the that, first place. I, I mean, you know what? I'm positive that yeah. that's what it is. He, he knew that Will wasn't coming to it and then decided, forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Will's so, not going to be there. My man's not going to be there. So I am staying home. Right. Right. 
So, uh, based on some feedback from a friend of the show, though, we decided to check out Wildstar next. Well, no, well, on our way there, though. Well, we, we, were, got, we decided we to decided check out, to check out Wildstar. Wildstar. We got sidetracked on our way there due to... We, to due to the MOGA. MOGA, is that what yes. it, how they call MOGA, it? MOGA Mobile Controller. MOGA yeah. Controller. Um, so we got stopped by uh, Mike, and I don't know what Mike does for MOGA exactly, but did you get his title? No, I got his business card. Though, oh, so. yes. So in here somewhere there's a business card. Um, yeah, so they were introducing the MOGA, and they were introducing their new Pro Series, I think is what they were calling it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if you know what the MOGA is, but basically it's a device that you can connect to lots of things, really. You can connect it to your phone. Yeah. You can, can you and right now it's Android, Android based. A, it's Android based, so, but they're working with Apple. Yes. To try to get it for the. Um, they're trying to get one set iOS. up for the iOS. So, but right now you would need either an Android phone, an Android tablet. Um, it may even work with like Ouya since mm. that's an Android based uh, console. Yeah. So it's but it right now really what it gives you is the ability to play tablet games or phone games that put overlay a controller on the game screen itself, it removes the need to deal with that. And that right now is one of the biggest things that keeps me from playing a lot of games. When I see that control design, it drives me up a wall to try to play with. Yeah, and also, I mean, even if you have simplified touch screen controls, right, you can still remove those controls out. So they, they like to partner with developers, as Mike was saying. Mm -hmm that can actually work with them to make sure they can integrate the MOGA controller operations inside of the game. So that way it looks good, it feels good, um, and they don't want to just give randomized software to people that say, here, just slap this down and you know maybe it won't work so well. So they actually really work with developers and actually what Mike does is he meets with those new developers mm -hmm. and he kind of makes sure that they are integrated and he goes and finds them. He really tries to say, hey, we love your game. Would you consider putting MOGA as part of your game code? And they're like, oh, yeah, that looks great. So uh, that's that was really – it was well done. And I think it, it fills a niche. It fills a need that mm -hmm. people actually would have. And I have a problem myself when I have you know my iPad or when I even play with anything that's touch-based that my hands actually cover up part of what I'm seeing and controlling, and right. it just gets frustrating. So there are certain games that, like, he brought out, like Angry Birds – it's really, really designed well for touch. And it doesn't have to have a controller. You could, but touch is probably where you want to be. But yeah. there are certain other games that are maybe arcade-based that a controller would be awesome for. And so now you can have that ar arcade feel, um, and now you have a controller. So yeah. when you can have it everywhere. Yeah, I think uh, you know, like anything action-based, fighting games, sports games, those type of things that require fast inputs, controllers tend to work a lot better for it. Angry Birds, XCOM, turn-based things, the touchscreen really shines much better. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting. And the Pro version also has the ability to actually charge your device while you're, you're connected to it. Which is really nice. Which is nice because they said one of the issues they ran into with the, uh, the base version is people played it so much that they play for two hours and suddenly they're like, why is my phone dead? <laughs> and because I've been playing nonstop on it for two hours. For two hours. So this thing can actually charge up your uh, phone and or... Uh, tablet because they did have multiple controllers on it. Yeah, the ice machine here just is loud. It is really loud. <laughs> the bike, hopefully, it didn't pick that up. Sure <laughs> it probably did. It's pretty sensitive. And every time we touch the table, 
I can hear you the, can hear the it. vibration of that too. So it's wow. The H1 is coming through. That's it right. Is, it is here it's, it's to It's solid. So after we got distracted by that. Well, give them the price point. So the price point was 59 to 69 for the Pro. For right. the, their new Power series. Yeah, the, the Pro Power or whatever. The, the new series of the controller. Yeah. Uh, which isn't bad, considering an Xbox controller is 45 to 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's also, from a design standpoint... That's what it was. It was really mirroring the Xbox, the Xbox controller, controller, which makes sense. I mean, out of right now, it, that is kind of considered the pinnacle of the controller world. It's it, much more comfortable. They, they, but even compared to like the PS, like you don't see the PS4 controller get right. emulated as much because most people have pretty much handed it to Microsoft, saying, "Yeah, you got the controller right. Yeah. You you won. You well done, Microsoft. You win this round. You win this yeah. one." So, and that's. Good. It was really cool. They one of the other features about the Pro series is that you can actually have multiplayer. Right. So you can, um, if you wanted to, you can have like four people play FIFA soccer on one tablet using four different controllers. So and it's all Bluetooth. So that was really nice too. So you can, you have buddies. You can share one screen, you know, and have a little. You can have like Street Fighter. Yeah. You can have like two guys playing Street Fighter. Now they didn't publish this part, but they said that if you had an emulator. Uh, that played like you know uh, NES games or Genesis or whatever emulator on there. That hey, guess what? Now you've got a controller for that emulator. Yeah. So anyone out there who's got an emulator put on their tablets, uh, especially Android based, well now you can got a controller to help you play all of that stuff. You might already have one, but um, maybe you don't have a controller that charges your phone at the same time. Yeah. There you go. So that that's really cool. And then the iOS version of this uh, is going to probably be around the same. He wasn't sure. Hopefully, on the same price point as the current uh, Android version, which is good. So, I mean, they didn't really get to say mark it up because we were only Apple. They were going to try to keep it the same. Yeah. Well, yeah. Would be good. Mm hmm. All right. So, we moved on from there. Mm -hmm. We went and checked out Wildstar, which is a new MMO uh, being produced by NCSoft. So, these are the folks that are behind things like Guild Wars 2. Uh, obviously, uh, Guild Wars 1, uh, they had a hand in City of Heroes. So it definitely felt like it was from that company. Like, it played the way Guild Wars 2 plays. Uh, Action-based MMO. You is very, very much about the position of your character in relation to the, the boss or the monster or whatever that you're fighting. Uh, very much real time. You're using your actions. You're moving. You're dodging attacks. Uh, big. Uh, one of the big things they showed is uh, monsters would do big, big AOE type attacks, and it would light up the ground, and mm -hmm. you had to constantly move. Yeah, not don't stand, stand in the fire. Yeah, don't stand in the fire was a big part of the mechanics of the game. Uh, world was cartoony, but but it was but neat, it unique. It, it was fit. a unique cartoony yeah. look. Yeah. Very, very much so. Um, the big selling points, though, of this were more, I think, that we learned from talking to the friends that recommended it than actually playing the demo. At least the part of the demo I played. There was two two paths you could take. You take the starting, I'm level one, let me check out the newbie zone area, or you could play a leveled character that was in a level appropriate area with new, you know, all the gear and the skills and such to, to go ahead. I did the level one newbie area. Yeah. As, as did I. Yep. Yeah, as did I. <laughs> no, I thought you did. Both. Oh, no, I did the, uh, yeah, you're right. I did the, the higher level area, and yeah, I died immediately. Yeah. You were dying nonstop. I died twice. Okay. 
Not nonstop. It was nonstop. Um, <laughs> twice. <laughs> that was well, literally okay. the year. So yeah. the reason I died twice, though, is because the instant I died, I hit resurrect, and I resurrected on the same spot instead of resurrecting somewhere else. That's uh, why I died the second time. So. That's good. You got to see the death mechanic. So, I did. It was good. <laughs> you know, I played... Now, when, when you're creating your character, it looked like they had four different races. They had... Four or five classes? Four. Four classes. Um, you have four classes, four races, and then four different paths for you to choose from. And the paths are where it seems like this game is putting a lot of their focus. So you have things like you're an explorer, you're a, a warrior, or like a, a military type uh, class. Um, you have scientist, scientist and the settler. The, the settler. So the whole game is based on different classes using their ability to work together with other people so that you can unlock things, you can research, a lot of the crafting seemed based on that. Um, the ability to fight certain bosses, you needed to have somebody, a scientist research up the history of this creature that you needed to go find. Then you needed to have them turn that over to the explorer who would look and find the location and the settler would do something to help along with that as well. So it was a lot of interplay, but then you needed the military dude to come in there and actually you know, lay down the law. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a lot of interplay between that. The actual gameplay, like I said, was just a very action. I, I needed a faster turn on my mouse. It just wasn't actually doing the mouse look turn that I'm used to. And so, I think we'll have to go back and see if that's something yeah. that was just in the setup. I'm or sure if it it's... was just a setting, but it definitely made it for playing a rogue that needed to spend a lot of time yeah, behind the monster. Yeah, it was hard. It didn't, or, or a stalker in the, a in stalker. the case of this. Yeah. Uh, but right now they're in beta. What what class did you play, Andre? I actually played uh, played the explorer. Okay. Yeah, I basically had one huge sword. Oh. And I walked. Well, were you a warrior? Because explorer is one of their things, like the the professions or whatever. They're, they're yeah, classes. I played a warrior. So, yeah, the warrior is like your base class. Yeah, I think that yeah. was the default guy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I mean, I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it took me a while to realize that I should be avoiding yeah. like the whole action concept and like to get. But once you got around that, actually, I found it quite fun. Mm -hmm. To, it really kept you on your toes and how to dink and dive and avoid attacks and how to get around. And so, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's it doesn't become monotonous. Right. Mm -hmm. And battles, especially I can see battles, group battles, will become a lot more fun because now you have threats from multiple angles and how to avoid all of those attacks. Or you maybe just say, you know what, I just don't want to avoid this attack. I want to take this attack on mm -hmm. because I know it's not going to do as much damage. So you have to... It's, so combat becomes more... It takes more thinking. Right. It's really what right. it comes down to it. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. I, and, I, and I agree with the graphics. I think they're very unique uh, to NCSoft and the stuff they produce. And I don't think people have a problem with that. So Yeah. I think it worked well. Yeah. I, it was I good. I, I mean, it's one of those games I would, would like to spend a little more time with. I want to make sure the control works the way I expect it to. Right. But I think it's, at the same time, I'd like to see the higher level play as well. Because that's one thing I did miss. Um, you know, and get a sense of exactly where that game's going. But for a start, it was it was engaging enough to hold my attention. I, I enjoyed the the stalker that I played. I agree. I like the stalker a lot, but yeah. I had the same problem of not turning fast yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was brought us to the end of the media hour, and at that yeah. point, we decided to keep walking around. We got kind of sucked into a. Uh, 
thing being offered by wargaming.net. So we oh. kind of caught, well, one of the things that caught our eyes, and we, we saw a lot of different things, but I know we definitely spent some time there because they had World of Warplanes and got to check out that game. And it's basically these are the same folks that make World of Tanks. World of Tanks was very big there. They also were showing off the beta version of World of Tanks for the Xbox 360 and World of Warplanes. World of Warplanes falls in the same mode, tons of different planes. Uh, I think right now, three countries in there? No, yeah. Uh, four. four. There was Germany, there was the Americans, Japan. and there was the Japanese. And I know they were talking about... They're, they're going to add, add the British. British. And they had the Russians. And the Russians. Yes. Right. Four and then five is going to be the British. Yeah, yes. so we're going to add that. And there was, uh, I think they're planning on, I want to say 300 different plane types. 100. 100 different plane types. But you can customize each plane quite a bit. Yeah. So Very similar to World of Tanks. Where yeah. You basically, you know, you kind of probably get a tiered approach. And then you can add... They talked about things like different ammunition, mm-hmm. uh, engines, different and, engines, mm-hmm. different you know, um, probably armor or you know basically flight controls. So it's it's you know you can actually pick a type of aircraft. They had three different types they talked about, which is a light fighter, a heavy fighter, and then ground-based attack right. uh, aircraft. So if you're you know a ground-based aircraft, you want to take you know carry rockets instead of bombs. Uh, you know you can upgrade to that, or you know if you want to have different types of ammunition. But really cool. Planes look fantastic. Yeah. Um, the flight, I had a hard time initially learning how to fly. Um, a, I love flying with the joystick. And so flying with the mouse and the keyboard was difficult at first. And I just had a hard time learning how to bank sharply enough to avoid enemy contact. Right. I managed not to crash immediately. But after getting like jumped by four fighters, eventually I crashed into a mountain trying to avoid them. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the second battle went a little bit better. I actually got to like fire guns for an extensive period of time. Uh, but then again, my team was so good that by the time I felt like I was in engagement, pretty much most enemy was wiped away. Yeah. So it, I could tell that it's going to be a learning curve for people. And uh, one of the great uh, giveaways they were giving for their raffles was actually a flight stick. So people who have flight sticks, this might be a really great game that you've been looking forward to. Dust it off and bring it back out. Dust it off and bring it back out because it's one of those, you know, I haven't played my, I have a flight stick, I mean, I have a uh, flight stick at home. Haven't played it well, but this game is going to make me bring it back out again. I I, I had a lot of fun with it. So that was, it was, it was really impressive and uh, it's in open beta right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you can definitely go out and uh, download it, check it out. The, you know, the knock on World of Tanks, and, you know, I actually have personally never played World of Tanks either, so I'll probably spend a little bit of time with it, was that it was really a bad, it's, it's kind of the poster child for pay to win. Um, so people spend money to really get an advantage over folks that don't spend money on the game. Um, whereas, like, games like League of Legends are more like pay to just avoid grinding out your uh, enough to pay for a champion or getting skins and stuff that don't affect gameplay at all. Um, so I'm curious to see if they're addressing that or if they're just saying this is the way our games are. Because obviously one of the big parts of their presentation is the fact they have all these millions of people playing the game. So I don't. They may say, well, this is working for us. So that's true. Suck it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that could be uh, the the route they take. So we moved on. Actually, while you guys were doing that, because yeah. I'm not a big fan of flying, because anything that is 360, I just I never go the right direction. I think I'm going up and I'm going down, and it's just bad all around. But um, I watched a movie for Rome too. They were having Total the War. 
Huh? Total War Rome 2. Total War Rome 2. Yeah. And um, basically, they the little snippet of movie they had was really engaging. So I figured I would, while you guys were doing that, I'd check that out. It And uh, I'm really messed up that game. <laughs> like, people were people were there at the demonstration probably like 10 minutes playing and i think i killed my entire army in probably about four (laughs) four minutes it took me to annihilate an entire roman army because my own roman army by the way i was not annihilating the other team um because i didn't realize that when i sat down it was actually focused on only one little chunk of army of my army and i didn't realize i had a bunch of other men just standing around while people were beating on them um so by the time i did realize it half my army was dead and it from then there was just no way that the other army was gonna the rest of my army was gonna do it but it's requires a lot of strategy and you should probably read the rules because they just sit you down at the computer and you don't even know yeah maybe they probably come with the assumption you maybe played a total war game previously so like you have some background information, but Possibly. yeah, yeah. But if you've never done that, and you just sit down and like one, two, three, go. Yeah, that well, was pretty much it. That's gonna be tough. <laughs> so yeah. I was was a little overwhelmed, but it was a very beautiful game. And from what I saw of other people playing it um, after I got up, um, it was it's very engaging. I think once you if you like that type of game and you you enjoy playing them, this is a, it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful game. Yeah. And it's got a good story, too. So that's what I was doing. And then we went over and I uh, met up with you guys after you played right. your, your flight game. The flight game, yes. So we moved on from after that to continue to walk the exhibition hall. As I recall, this is around the time then we went to where the Guardians of Middle Earth was. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so we, which is the uh, MOBA or... Um, League of Legend type clone uh, set in Middle Earth. So obviously you're playing as Gandalf, um, various orcs, and I saw I think a troll running around uh, alongside you know Legolas. Which okay, <laughs> we're just why gonna, not? We're just gonna roll with this. It's pretty standard. Look like pretty standard stuff. It was five on five. Um, you know, it had lanes, it had minions, it had towers. Four, four, you know, three abilities, one ultimate ability. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely leveled up. Uh, graphically, though, it was really nice. Mm-hmm. You guys both played it a lot more than I did. I got uh, by the time I got on a, a system, it was like I'm Gandalf, I'm running, and we won, yay! So <laughs> that's all I saw of the game in terms of actually playing it. But I don't know what did you guys think of it. I've never played a MOBA type game, so um, this was quite unique for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it yeah. I mean, it's it's what I see from when you play. It's a lot of pointing and clicking, and mm-hmm. and you know, I didn't know the abilities, and again, they didn't explain the abilities, so you, I just kind of button mashed until things died, and that's pretty much what I did. I mean, it was, but it was pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, I've recently started playing League of Legends quite a bit and started following even League of Legends in general. So um, for me, this translation was actually very easy. Uh, if you, I mean, you just once you kind of understand how the abilities work, a lot of the same concepts they have in League of Legends uh, apply here in combinations and when to use your ultimate. Um, I think the timers 
it seemed like to be a little bit less, you can use your abilities more, and I'm not sure if that was just part of the demo. Uh, where in League of Legends, you really have to be more uh, strategic and tactical about when you use your ultimate, when you use your abilities more. This seemed to be more button smashing in that regard, but then again, they might not have wanted to have like a 20 minute demo where people only use their ultimate twice. Right, right. So we, we don't know that. But as far as the mechanics go, I mean, it was very similar to how you have you have the same League of Legends type of, of play style. And, you know, the map looked great. The minions look really cool because they're like troops and archers instead yeah. of like, you know, the typical minions you see. So I think it was a good translation. If, you know, League of Legends is not your thing, um, but you're really into... Maybe that maybe it wanted to play it, but we're really sure about like, why I want to play these guys. Uh, now you've got a whole new genre, and if you maybe you're a really middle fan, a big Middle Earth fan, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. you can now try that, and then you know try that game style. But now you have a an atmosphere that you really might enjoy. And yeah. a reference that yeah. you understand. Yeah, and the one thing I didn't notice in there, at least in watching folks play, and obviously I didn't have any time to, to try to investigate it, was it was any item buying. Did you guys? Oh no! You just, you, yeah, you basically. I mean, you yeah. Got, it seemed the like demo people was, were just going. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, and maybe this was just be the way they had the demo set up. You did have slots. You did have slots, so that you could have bought stuff. So obviously, yeah. there is some sort of buying mechanic there, gold earning. I mean, it it, it was pretty by the numbers. Like, I, I knew exactly kind of what was happening. There was towers. I mean, it was like okay, yeah, I get get what we're trying to do here. Mm -hmm. um, so. Interesting though, definitely something uh, we you can download on Steam. I believe right now it is it is available at least in beta form. So it's another one you can check out. Um, they did have Infinite Crisis there. Didn't get a chance to play that. That's the DC uh, MOBA, MOBA, so or lol clone um, with superheroes as your characters that you can play: Batman, um, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. So maybe tomorrow I'll try maybe, to stop yeah. by. And, uh, Check that one out. So try to, they also try, had Batman there. They had Arkham Arkham Origins, <clears throat> which is the uh, prequel to the uh, Arkham Asylum. Uh, Asylum in Arkham City or City uh, games. So this is a very young Batman. In fact, his costume looked even different. It looked more uh, Dark Knight uh, type costume with the gray and just black, without uh, full armor that he kind of sports in the uh, Arkham City. And Arkham Asylum. Uh, so it looked good, though, the little bits I saw. Yeah, we didn't get to play that either. Yeah. There was a lot of long lines. Um, yeah. In fact, at that same booth, they had um, Dying Light, which is a zombie game that I wanted to play really badly, but that line was ridiculous yeah. also. So I did end up coming back to test that out later on, but um, that booth we'll had on, a lot of really good... go into that one now, since it was... There. There. <laughs> yeah, you actually did play it. Yeah. I did. No, I did. Um, I eventually came back later, and the line was a lot shorter, so I decided to just wait it out and play. And um, it was really interesting. I mean, I love zombie shooting games. I don't know what, why I like them so yeah. much, but Dead Island too. It's basically it has a it has a very Dead Island feel to the action. Other than one of the mechanics that's really really interesting is that there's no ladders or you know steps or things like that that you climb you actually climb the walls so while you're running if you hold down the right bumper it actually climbs walls so the whole time i loved that mechanic so much that the entire time i was actually i wasn't even fighting zombies i was just 
running away from them and jumping on top of buildings and then going from building to building to the objectives is basically what I was doing. So you could possibly, I didn't try it for very long because then I felt like I, it's a zombie game, you need to kill some zombies. And I tried um, to try to do that, but you could possibly get most of the objectives unless it's a killing this person objective, probably without actually touching a zombie. That could be good or bad, right? Yeah, I mean, it depends, but I mean, it'd be interesting to see if you could. That'd be like a challenge. It'd be a great achievement. Yeah. I mean, um, but it's nice that you have the option. You have the option, yes. And another really cool mechanic was that if you're running, and I forget which button it is, I think it's the Y. Um, if you're running, you can also hit a button and you slide. So you would slide under something. So for example, there was these tr uh, train cars, and you could slide under the train cars, which is really cool. I mean, if a zombie's chasing you. And they, they tend to have issues with you know heights and stuff, so they if they're up in the train car they can't get down from the to the to the ground so stops them i thought that was pretty cool that was my favorite mechanic from that but i mean you only get to play it for two and a half minutes and then they show you a like a half minute movie so it's not a lot that i got to play it but from what i got to play it was neat nice that's good yeah so i was looking on steam apparently that guardians of middle earth is available right now for 20 bucks. Oh. Plus DLC. Nice. As you choose. Of course. So, something to look forward to. All right. So, we were in that booth. I know we kind of bounced back and forth then from there to Wargaming. Uh, we did swing by the Xbox booth mm -hmm. and watched a demo for Fable Anniversary. Mm -hmm. uh, Dex of being a huge Fable fan. Uh, we were curious to see... What that was about, um, they demoed through a mission in a graveyard. This is basically a redo of the original Fable game, uh, updating the graphics, adding some content to it, uh, changed the control scheme to match Fable 2 instead mm -hmm. of the Fable 1 control, which definitely was an improvement in my mind. I Much Fable better. Fable 1 being kind of clunky to play and Fable 2 being very smooth and fast. But you could, if you wanted yes. to, still use the Fable 1 control style. Yes. Correct. So that's yeah. cool that they gave the option to say, whatever you prefer, we're good. Yeah, if you need to be a purist, Ex then, go, then go for it. It's there for um, you. But it looked much better. Mm -hmm. I very, think they, very improved graphics. They had like 18 new spells, and they had... Um, they, it, I think it's Smart Glass also. It works with yes. Smart Glass too. Smart Glass had some uh, features where you could... Uh, I'm trying to remember what they were showing on the Smart Glass. I know it had a map on there. I think uh, it also showed screenshots when you the went difference. to an area. It yes. would actually say, this is what it used to look like in the uh, uh, Fable when it was first released. And now you, so you can compare an area that you're in to the way it previously looked and go, oh my God, this looks so much better. <laughs> I remember Thank when it you, looked Smart so bad. Glass. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me how bad this building Was used it to look. The Unreal Three. Unreal Three yes. engine. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's running on Unreal Three. Um, and just like everything typical of Fable, it will come out when it's done. They hope it's later this year, and it is coming out for the 360. So, as far as they said, they didn't have any plans to, right now for it to come out for any of the new generation. Yeah. But. Uh, it looks really good, and I love Fable, so I definitely will yeah. be there. The funniest thing is, though, while we were there, they were trying to demonstrate, and they had one of the one of the guys, Jim, um, you know, running through it while the other guy was commentating, and they made him do the fishing. 
Guy could not fish to yeah. save his life. Poor guy. Yeah. They, we were like, okay, move on. <laughs> yeah. he, tried, he tried three times. He tried three times. He, he could times. not fish. He could not get the shield fished up. Yeah. So that was part of the, the quest they were demoing. Yes. Right. right. He had to collect uh, some armor for a skeleton. So it was cool. Um, that was good. At the same time, we saw which probably I would say at this point was the longest line I've seen so far at the con, which was for Titanfall. Absolutely the longest. Um, but we did get to stop and kind of watch other people play Titanfall for a bit, uh, which is the Xbox One exclusive title that right now I would say, based on all the negative press the Xbox One got, this is like the shining light that they have to kind of grasp to, is the fact that they have that game exclusive on their system and it was pretty. It was really, really pretty. It was really, really pretty, but not worth standing in at like a three-hour no. line to play, yeah. what, five minutes. Yeah, it was a massive line, but pretty cool stuff. Lots of jumping in and out of the large mech-type suits they have there. Mechs punching little soldiers on the ground. Um, very destructible-looking environments. Uh, just weapons that looked really, really impressive. Uh, and overall, just a, a really solid game, which, you know, from the folks from X Infinity Ward, you kind of expected a game that had, would have some of the Call of Duty sensibilities, but they definitely have, have taken that genre and gone a whole different direction now with it, with how futuristic it is. Uh, kind of a hawk and feel, almost, I would say, just because of the mech portion that was really, they were fast mechs. So it was, it was cool. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful game. And then right across the hall from that, they were also demoing uh, Battlefield 4. Right. Right. Um, which looked great. I mean, I'm not sure if everyone's seen the demos of Battlefield 4 looks like, but in person, uh, it was impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a Battlefield fan, I think you're going to like 4 uh, in, all the, in all its glory. So it was kind of nice that they had both shooters essentially across the hall from each other. You could look from one vantage point to the other. And... Uh, also, Xbox One renders graphics pretty well. So, well, the funny thing is, Battlefield, uh, where it, Battlefield Four was done on uh, computers, yeah. actually, yes. but they, with the Xbox One controllers. Yeah. So even though they had Xbox One all over it, when they actually opened the cabinet up, you thought, "Oh, wow, that's actually running on a PC." Yeah, so true. hard to tell. I mean, it looked like Titanfall cabinets looked the same. So, so. I'm not sure. But at the same time, based you mean, on this, you mean they didn't have fifty-seven Xbox yeah. Ones just laying about? They had them? some of them, like uh, Killer Instinct, yeah. that's uh, Rise, Son of Rome uh, game. Those were definitely running on the Ones because they had the Ones were out in like a glass case. You could see them. But wasn't yeah. that just like five of them? Uh, they had more, but not as much as they had for Battlefield. Yeah, Yeah. then and Titanfall, obviously. Now, I think you can make the argument that the Xbox One is going to be basically a full computer Computer. anyway, so it's not much of a stretch. But I would have liked to see them run the game on the actual hardware. Just me, but looked looked impressive. It did. It did. It was very impressive. Yeah. Um, I think from there is when we split. So, yeah, we obviously did things like actually eat lunch. We did some other uh, cool things of walking around, lots of walking, uh, and endless walking. walking. And trying to think what were the other things that we really stopped. I, I would say at that point, yeah, we, Andre and I self, went and watched a League of Legends match because the North American playoffs are happening here at uh, PAX. So, and Andre's a total fanboy. Total fanboy. They actually had <laughs> signings by a couple of the teams, Digitas and Cloud9, 
at uh, one of the, I think, Kingston, one of the memory makers yeah, it was, booths. Yeah, it was HyperX Kingston. HyperX, yeah. 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 So they were actually just had them out there signing autographs and, <laughs> you know, we got their autographs from, like, you know, 20-year-olds. Yeah, I... I uh, it's ridiculous. I, mean, I don't know. I, I kind of got into the sport and kind of saw, like, I guess... Um, one of the teams has like uh, their own like crib show, so you kind of got. If you ever watched the the TSM and their crib show, you actually get to see the other teams and actually get to know the people behind just just watching the game or whatever. And so I came back and I said, you know, I've never been so excited to get signatures from like teenage kids, teenage, teenage boys. boys. <laughs> I kind of said it maybe a little too loud, but it was meant to be a joke because I mean, they're I mean, essentially they're the most exclusive and they're the best at their sport. And, um, yeah. and I do enjoy watching it. So uh, the fact these these kids have kind of taken and pioneered and made this game so popular um, is is pretty cool. If you know, it gives uh, another avenue for I guess for sporting or, or basically gaming. Um, they've taken it to more more of a professional level, uh, and they're they're just really good at what they do. Yeah. So I mean, you got to have kudos. Just talent where talent is. Um, Absolutely. And some of them were really young. And they they looked, looked really young. Yeah, some young. look really young. Like, if they can legally drink, I would be surprised. Yeah. Some of them. If they're out of high school, I would be surprised uh, on some I of them. I think all of them are 18 or older, but some of them just look like they're 12. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it was it was kind of silly. But at the same time, kind of cool. it was cool. It was cool at the same time. Because these are guys, like, you watch on YouTube. You watch when you've watched the, the summer split or... Or things like that. You're like, oh my god, I'm now standing right next to Scara or, you know, uh, Medios or any of these these folks that are, uh, you know, really, really good. I mean, really, really good for North America. Now, can any of these teams actually stand up to anything that, you know, Korea and China produces? I have no idea. Probably not. But nonetheless, for our little slice of the world, they, they are definitely the best of the best. So... We went and watched you tried to say, well, you know, we've watched it enough on YouTube. Let's go see what a, a live event looks like. Now, unfortunately, they had two matches. The first match started at 1 o'clock. And so we said, we'll just go to the second match because that starts at 4. We happened to got, go up there a little bit early and said, well, we'll get in line early. We'll actually get good seats. Yeah, they didn't actually stick to their schedule. I think what they did well, after kind of piecing things together, we realized they basically said, the first game ended, let's just start the second games. <laughs> and so the way they do the playoffs, it's a best of three. The first uh, match, which was um, CLG and TSM, TSM the, it was over in two games. TSM won, and it seemed like they, so they had this block of time that they were trying to allow for the third game if it went to that and just decided to move on. So by the time we got there, it was already a one nothing curse, uh, in a, a game between Curse and Digitas, and so we were in this massive line watching the second game between them and slowly moving towards the actual stadium where they had the, the folks, the stage set up and all the seating and everything. By the near end of the second game, we actually got into the stadium, we're standing up and watching it, uh, and Digitas ended up winning, so it went to a third game, thank God. Because then it allowed some people to decide to leave. We were able to get seats. And it was like, okay, now we get to actually experience what it's like to be at a live event. And it was it was worth the wait, I would say. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I'm not sure if anybody... I mean, I never imagined myself actually watching an uh, eSport in live. 
and looking forward to it. But you know, kind of getting into League of Legends and learning about the characters and kind of watching someone on TV, learning about tactics and and strategies other teams use, and even learning about the teams, um, especially playing the game. Because you, in any sport, if you play the sport just somewhat, when you see other people who are real professionals play it, you're always mystified on how they make things look so easy that you know are really hard. I don't care if it's soccer, football, any physical sport versus esports. I, I don't see there's no, there's no difference there in my mind mm-hmm. um, as far as you know how professional soccer players work and how these guys play. So being at this live event, now I gotta give it to Riot. They, their production is top notch. Like you walk in there and when they do character selection and when they do bands, everything has a monitor and it looks like ultra resolution. It just looks fantastic in the game and the commentary. I mean, it's just top notch. They take no expense on how you, as a person, is sitting there feel I mean, it's like watching a really cool sporting event. Yeah. Hands down. You don't realize it's about the two teams playing video games. Right. Um, but, you know, for the gaming community, I think this is great. And it was awesome. I, yeah. I had a great time. I hope to watch the semifinals, at least one semifinal game if I can, and at least the finals. One of the, if I can get another event in, yeah. I'd be very happy to, to see that. Uh, yeah. yeah. They, they played great. It was a really good match. And, um,. Yeah, the third game was um, was awesome. It was probably one of the best games I've ever seen online or in person. Yeah. So obviously in person. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only game I've seen in person. Well, I saw the yeah. second one. And right. It was definitely better than the second one. Right. So it, it, um, a very back and forth game, but really good. And I recommend it. I mean, if you ever have a chance to see any of these sporting esports live, I'd go for it. I mean, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Playing out just fun. Yeah, for sure. For, for sure. And this was the period where Daxel was actually trying out that Dying Light game. Yes. Uh, so we finished up watching that. We went uh, from there. I believe we we adjourned for a bit from the uh, area. Uh, we did check out like where the D&D uh, pl- place was set up. We left to drop some stuff off at the hotel. Went back. Daxel went to a panel oh. for... Uh, female soldiers and how they're de- depicted in video games. They had a more distinct name than that. Uh, yeah, it was actually... So the, f- the name was kind of ridiculous. Um, it's... Let me find the quote. It was a, Hey Vasquez. Yeah, Hey Vasquez. Did anybody mistake Does anyone you? ever mistake you for a man? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then it's a military... A discussion of military service women in video games. So basically they had two two women. One of them was... And both have been in the military for over eight years. I think one was eight and a half years and the other one was nine years that she was um, in the military. Um, Sarah was in the Marines and I think her name was Anastasia, Anastasia or Anna. She was in the Coast Guard. She was Coast Guard for nine years. But basically the the discussion was um, centered around Mostly how women are portrayed in video games. Not really women, but service women. So, for example, they were saying that service women, when, you, when you're in video games, um, are completely different than service women when in real life. So, for example, if you have a man and a woman in complete combat uniform, they look exactly the same. You can't tell that there's a man and a woman. They have the helmet sure. on. They have all, their gear is the same. 
it's not like it's different. It may be smaller or bigger depending on your body size, but it's the same gear. So the fact that every time there's a military woman in a game and they're wearing those ridiculous breastplates, right? you know, just so they know that that person's a woman, well, why would that matter? It shouldn't matter that right. it's a woman or a man. Um, and I guess there was an article that came out at some point that did a study on if the breastplates, if the armor was actually molded that way, it would cut your sternum in half if you got hit by a bullet because of the way it was curved. So it was really weird. But um, the discussion was basically, it was a lot about that. Sarah was really quiet, but uh, uh, Anna, who was in the Coast Guard, she was, she had some great personality. And I think she's in public public relations now okay so she's she had some really really great quotes and she one of the biggest things that she said that w- makes a difference and this was from a movie versus a game mm-hmm. is that um in green lantern when i think the test the daughter or is yeah. it the daughter she's a she tests aircrafts right right so that's her job is yeah. to test new aircrafts so she says this woman is basically taking, you know, a brand new aircraft. It's like, you know, strapping dynamite to her butt, getting in an aircraft, and hoping it doesn't crash. Right. She's this brave, amazing woman, yet the instant she's shown in the movie in a dress and heels, she faints. Yeah. Whereas in, I guess, Captain America, um, when the love interest comes comes into the room and she's wearing this really sexy red dress. Right. She's still kind of a badass. Yeah. You know, she's still a service woman. She's just a gorgeous service woman. Right, right. Where it's not, you know, it's not just all of a sudden she becomes the damsel in distress. A girly girl. Yeah. And um, so that was the discussion. And it was really, really neat. There were some really good um, quotes from that one. So that was a really good uh, panel. And there was actually a cue to it. We queued up to get to that. Huh. That's oh, nice. Good. So outside <laughs> of those, we checked out uh, Hairbrain Schemed, who brought us the recent Shadowrun Returns game. Yes. Uh, has already started their next big project uh, that they're going to open up a Kickstarter for, which is Golem Arcana, uh, which is a departure from what Shadowrun Return, which was purely a digital video game experience. This one is one trying to blend uh, tabletop gaming alongside iPads. Um, we happened to get lucky, ran into Jordan Wiseman, who is the founder of the, the company, you know, created Shadowrun, created all these things we love. Got to talk to him for a bit about it. He was really anxious, you know, very happy to hear that we love Shadowrun, uh, but definitely wanted to talk about uh, the new game, which the whole thought process I, I really love behind it was I like tabletop gaming I hate all the BS that goes along with tabletop gaming how much things you have to keep track of how much time you spend pouring over rules or trying to keep track of talent usages or distances or line of sight or things like that like how can I keep that amount of depth but streamline that all up and what he did was come up with something that is 
it, Revolutionary. It, it, it reminded me a little bit of the PlayStation Eye, which was their little device they used for a card game where it would digitize the cards online and it kind of handled that. This in, in this case, though, it's a pen and an iPad or some sort of tablet that is looking that you basically mount and have it facing the battlefield. And from there, the pen kind of tells it what's going on on the battlefield. You tap the figure so it knows, okay, that's where the figure is at. And then you tap where you want to move, and it keeps track of all that. And it was, it was really interesting. And it was in pre-alpha mode. So. Yeah, it wasn't even. I mean, they the pen was basically not even finished. Yeah, the like top it, of the pen they off. they had wrapped construction paper over the um the little board with the circuits in it, so you wouldn't touch it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how pre 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 alpha it was, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a girl kicked my butt. But it was a lot of fun. It was a good game. Um, it's definitely interesting. I can see us playing that game. And he said that um, one of the things that if you kickstarted it, you would be able to play the game remotely. So, for example, now that Andre no longer lives near us and we can't get together every weekend and play, we can play remotely, which is really neat. Yeah, so when... Um, when it's Jordan, right? Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, when Jordan, when actually he was talking to us, he said that there's a lot of, like any Kickstarter, there's a bunch of stretch goals. Right. And so one of the stretch goals he wanted to meet as soon as possible was the uh, remote time. Um, so then the, some of the other stretch goals that uh, Grail actually asked him about was if, would there be AI? So can I take figures and place them on the battlefield and then tell the application yeah, you control this army against me. Um, he said, so the more army that the AI controls, the further the stretch goal has to be, because to develop an AI with this complicated system would be harder. So, um, but he said, be willing to do that. Just so everyone, I would recommend kickstarting it. it it's, a, looks, it's a lot of fun. And for me, I'm a, averse to all the measurements and tapes. Like I played Battletech and stuff, and I can count hexes. It doesn't mean I want to take a ruler out or a measuring tape and have to measure based on not only distance, but height. No. So this did it all for you, and it was really streamlined and fast. I mean, they played a basically a small army, three-on-three, three, in 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun. It was really cool. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a good time. So and it I, was the first time we played it, so we were learning as we played, so it would have been quicker had we known how to play yeah, it. Yeah, if you would have played it a second time, you yeah. probably could have cut it down Run 15, 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Or we would have... Or you know, got more sophisticated right. with the game and maybe taken because longer, now we not know, just rush each other. It's right, more strategy right. involved. Yeah. So, but, but that's the whole point, is that the game really does have a lot of depth to it. Uh, you can actually have more bigger armies. So if you want a real quick game do that real fast, we want to have a real in-depth game, you can. Now, here's the cool part that I thought was awesome. The save button. Yeah. No. Oh. So you can have a whole battlefield between, you know, different friends and states having these huge armies. And you know what, man, it's really late. Like, for me, it's a three-hour time difference mm -hmm. sometimes when I'm playing with Grail online. So I'm like, I'm, I'm exhausted. I got to get to bed. Save. So that right now, as soon as we pick it up, let's say the next weekend or the next day, uh, you can actually, the computer will actually, well, the, the iPad will remember exactly whose turn it was, yeah. where all the guys were laid out, everything. So it's immediately a refresh, and you can start right where you left off. So he actually said in GameCon, a lot of people had cats. Yeah. 
Uh, that was their one of their complaints is that the cats Cat would destroy, would destroy the, just <laughs> knock her all over, the pieces. Yeah. You know their cats, and be like, "Oh my God, where were our pieces? I don't remember the cat took them out." Right. So the, the save button, I guess, defense against cats, the tabletop. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is good. So he was really friendly, uh, very excited about this. Yeah, um, you could tell that something he really likes. He really likes tabletop games. And this bothered him. So, I mean, it kind of, it's just how this guy works. If it's something he doesn't like, he fixes it. Yeah. 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 And he's amazing. I, if there's one thing I can say about Jordan, because I'm a huge fangirl of his, I mean, I've met some people that I thought were, you know, celebrities, but Jordan just does it for me because of the fact that he's so excited about everything he does. And he tries really hard to make it a really good product. And not only that, He's so down to earth. I mean, how many times have... This is pre, 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 pre-alpha. And he was letting us take pictures of everything. Yeah. You know, most people are like, no, no pictures. Don't look. Don't touch. Don't, you know, just right. don't breathe on it. Um, and he was so great. And he did the same thing with Shadowrun. I mean, he, you know, he was unable to get the room. And we yeah. ended up having to all of us shove into this tiny little room. And he was like, I don't care. We'll do it with this laptop. And he just threw something together. And he did his little presentation. And it was great. Yeah. And it was one of the best presentations I've seen. Yeah. And it was just him basically talking. So yeah. his excitement really, really sells it for me. Yeah, I think the one, the one of the lines that got me the best, he's like, you know what, I just wanted to make, he was talking about how, why a stylus or why a pen. Yeah. And he goes, I just, I tried multiple combinations of interface and it came down to it as I just want to replicate what the finger did. So I want this guy, and he points to a mech or a, a creature or whatever it is, the fire at this guy yeah <laughs> and so really it's as simple as the stylus touches the thing that's about to shoot and then it touches the thing it wants to right. shoot right and then everyone the ipad basically does all the calculations yeah. for yeah. you based on the train you're on which it already knows based on any special effects that the train has been going on at the same time because you have this ability to do what's called ancestral moves so you can put curses down and blessings on squares or on units it, it does all that for you so you just, it's literally i'm just taking my finger or the stylus and I want to go to this guy, and I want to yeah. shoot at this guy. Yeah. And, and I, or I want to take this guy, and I want to move him over here. Yep. So that was that was his thought process behind the stylus. And then the stylus is going to have it's going to be relatively thin, it looks like, and have an LED on it. So you can literally, as you're as you're touching your units, you're able to get pluses and minuses of what's going on, or effects, and or like to hit. So if right. I'm like, I want to touch this guy, and I want this guy to now attack this creature. Oh, look at that. You know what? Maybe that's not a good idea. I'm going to go attack him because that's going to be a better hit ratio yeah. or something. Uh, and you can confirm all your moves. So the streamline of the gameplay, if it's not fast enough as it is, mm-hmm. they're already thinking about making it even better. Right. So it was very impressive. And I would say Hairbrain Schemes are one of the nicest group of people. Yeah. Absolutely. And very down to earth. And I would have no qualms if I had a problem to actually say, hey, I, I think this would be a better idea. And be like, that's a great idea. Right. Uh, we'll go in, we'll introduce that into our next line of whatever, or we'll fix it. They're they're great. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, you know, one of the other big things I thought with marrying the the, the tabletop and, and the digital uh, that you talked about was the scenarios and the fact that they were thinking about going down the line. They would actually have a weekly scenario where they would say this is occurring, play this scenario, and as as games were completed and data was uploaded as to who won, who lost. That would influence then the next scenarios and actually start telling a story with the game as well. Oh, that's really cool. Um, I didn't hear that. The other chunk to it also, though, was is that they can do modifiers then. They could say, well, you know, right now the battlefields, 
they've suddenly had a, a huge rash of wildfires. So now your landscape is all on fire that your, your map doesn't change, but we're gonna upload this data in there that you know units are gonna take extra damage or there's line of sight issues because of that. Or, or you don't gather mana from that. Or you that, don't gather the mana or whatever, whatever the, the case may be or damages are affected. So basically they're saying, as we go, we can put these little modifiers, just change the world by changing some of the numbers in the background and saying this is occurring and now suddenly you have a different game. Even though it's the same units, just modifying the environment can keep the game feeling fresh because you never know exactly what, what the battlefield conditions are going to be. Yeah. Which is awesome because that's not something right now that you can easily do in a tabletop game. Usually it's very static where you're fighting. Yeah. So it was good. It was really, really interesting to, to see all of that. Uh, the right next door is where Catalyst Games was. Right. Which are the folks that produced the new Shadowrun books, produced the new books for Battletech, um, and produced a lot of other games themselves. Uh, we went in and checked out. They had a really beautiful 5th uh, edition Shadowrun deluxe gorgeous. gold leaf. $200. Leather book. bound. Yeah, ridiculous. Gorgeous. Uh, uh, aside from that, they also had a demo of a new Shadowrun card game. That we, you know, sort of like, that looks cool. Well, sit down and play. Okay, we're going to sit down and play this now. And <laughs> we actually stayed and played for quite a while. It was a long um, time. <laughs> and it was supposed to just be a demo where we fight a couple different encounters. We ended up going for three encounters because we were doing pretty well with it. Um, pretty easy. I think by the end of the first encounter, we pretty much had a good grasp on what, what the mechanics were yeah, entailing. Easy, I would say definitely easy to learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you're going to, you know, once a instructor or whoever you want yeah. to talk about was helping us with the game i mean he at some point was like yeah I'm, i'll i'll be back yeah I you mean, guys got it i mean after i mean that was maybe about 15 minutes after we had a few questions and he kind of pointed things out and gave us some like hints yeah he's like I'll, I'll be back and we could just we just started just go here yeah. we go mm -hmm. it was great we just yeah. keep, kept playing now this is a co-op card game so kind of in the vein of the world of warcraft card game where it's you guys playing against uh, in this case, it was just playing against whatever we drew out of the deck. So we would have these encounters. Now, the the person running the game would come and say, okay, for this next encounter, you're going to have this level of difficulty monster or, or uh, people attacking you and you know this level of difficulty. So I think at the beginning, we just fought the low levels. And then at the next round, we had a couple guys that were like rank two and mm -hmm. a couple low levels. The third round, we had like four ranked, three ranked twos, a rank one, and like a, uh, or four ranked two, I mean, yeah. it was four ranked twos, two and a rank, and a, and a couple ranked ones. So we had a lot more guys, and the way it works is each of you control a shadow runner, and the, the folks you're fighting against gets paired up against each shadow runner. So that's who's going to do damage to you. And you really have to work together and coordinate your attacks so that as you go through, you wipe out everybody before you start dying. Exactly. Um, and it, there was four classes, yeah. right? So you had a face man class, you had a street sam, mage, and a decker. Yeah. And then depending upon the types of card base you get uh, is the type of damage you would do. And so when you have a, an enemy in front of you, uh, you had to be very careful that you might not be able to... Let's say you had, like a, in this case, mage was a blue type of damage uh, icon that they had. I think it was like a lightning bolt with like a blue hex or something like that. Anyways, the... What happens is if, if that uh, monster's in front of you, uh, you ha in order to defeat it, you have to do blue damage to it. Well, I played a Decker in this case, and I had a bunch of green damage I could do. So I really needed help from Erica or from Doxa to help with the um, 
uh, getting blue damage because she was a mage. So that was the cooperative aspect. Like, I need you to help me defeat the guy in front of me, and I will defeat the guy in front of you. Right. So that's um, that was really cool. That was a, a lot of fun. That's and that's the reason why I had to be cooperative. Yeah. Right. And we we were. It didn't feel like we were in there that long, but when we left, we were like, "Wow, that was a really. Long it's day. really late. Yeah, like it's, yeah, really late. Like the con is closing. The con you know closes at midnight, and we were already pushing like eleven. So. We were had plans to go check out some D and D stuff, but decided like, oh yep, it is still open. We will come back later for yeah. you know that that'll be a tomorrow adventure. Um, and I, I don't think I have the brain power to learn something new. Oh god, no. That. And and that card game was supposed to come out later this year. Yeah, yes. that's supposed to be uh, actually this fall. I think this is fall. Yeah. yeah, So it it should go out soon. It was a lot of fun. They they do have. Uh, he was mentioning the fact they have it in the, the checkout where you can go to the free play for uh, uh, card games and tabletop games. So you know it's something we could always check out and play. Now, I, I we all made the comment that it, you really felt like you needed four players though. Like yes. it was really helpful to have each class represented because there's so much interplay and so much uh, having to deal with. Uh, different uh, mobs that needed different types of damage so exactly because if you're mageless and you get a mob that needs a lot of blue yeah like three four blue it's tougher to, it's tougher to to, to get, get that, that done so now i uh we were mentioning the fact it kind of was reminiscent also of a pandemic so where you had classes and each class was had a special ability and you know they had to work together but they had rules in there and maybe there's rules even in this one where if you don't have four people like they change it up enough yeah. where you're playing that somebody has to just run two characters or who knows but hopefully they're, they're building in some way to manage varying group sizes yeah uh, and not make you forced to be in four because then you'll know you'll always have three or five people wanting to play because right. that's Ooh, just um, the way it works yes yeah. absolutely so. that's what happens so uh that's about it for our first day Looking forward to tomorrow, um, you know, there's more league play going on. Acquisition Inc. is tomorrow. We'll definitely uh, try to get a recording of that. Wildstar uh, panel. And we have Wildstar panel. Um, we're definitely going to spend some more time on the exhibition floor. Uh, check out some of the, uh, the next, you know, group of games we definitely want to look at. The indies we indies. haven't checked out at all yet, so we definitely want to spend some time uh, both in the indie hall and their their areas on the uh, main floor. Uh, you know, D and D. There's always so much there's to do. So much. so much to do at PAX. So with that, I think we will wrap this up. I have been Grail. I have been Dexa. And I've been Andre. And we will talk to you guys soon.